0: Welcome to the Prescription for Living in Houston podcast, where we go over exactly what it's like to work, eat, sleep, and play right here in Houston. Welcome. Um, We are here with Dr. Rita Belazare, and uh, she is going to tell us all about Bel Air. Um, We're going to be talking all about Bel Air in this episode. So, um, doctor, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, This is a great opportunity. Uh, My name is Rita Belazaire. I am a general and colorectal surgeon here in Houston. Um, I live here uh, in Bel Air with my two daughters who are four and two years old. Um, We moved to Houston in 2019, September 2019, right before the pandemic, um, and initially moved to Montrose. And then about two years ago, uh, we moved over to Bel Air
0: great and what would you say the best thing about living in Bel Air is
1: um, I would say the, the best part of living in Bel Air would be um, the ability to have a freestanding home that has yard space um, but is still close enough or within the city um, so you have kind of the suburban life but you live in a city like access to the city.
0: Yeah, so you're very close. You're still close to all the things that you probably enjoyed in Bel Air, right? But you get a little bit bigger house with some yard. Um, So you kind of hit on a little bit. But but why in general did you move? um, Why Bel Air versus maybe some other areas?
1: Sure. So um, Bel Air. On the reason for Bel Air was for the space. I'll say that for for the proximity to the city, but also being able to have space. And then the other reason is I've got two young kids. So I had to start thinking about um, about living somewhere that was was zoned to schools, public schools um, where I could, um, you know, that had good readings and good recommendations where I could send my kids. Um, You know, we initially when we moved here, we moved uh, to Montrose. So I'm originally from Texas, but we moved from New York City. We moved to Montrose because I was uh you know sort of seeking that same like you could walk to places and you know there was a lot of life uh being had in Montrose so I, I sort of was still seeking that <clears throat> before moving to sort of a more suburban uh type of living situation um but the reason we chose or the reason I chose Bel Air is because of the I could get sp- like house with it, space um and uh, and the schools
0: If you're looking to move anywhere in the Houston area, don't forget, we'd love to help you out. Give us a call or shoot us an email at dan at dhsrealtygroup.com. Very good. Yeah, um, we interviewed a a couple other people. One person was in Montrose and she talked all about, they've got older kids though, right? So, um, and so she talked about just all the things to do. But then there was another lady who is living in the Heights, and she also lived in New York City. And so she yeah. was looking for that thing. So I exactly. think once you once you have that kind of city lifestyle, it's yeah. it's a little bit hard to give up. Um, you're always sort of searching that out because there's just yeah. so much energy and excitement when you, when you have that.
1: Right, um, and when your kids are young, it kind of doesn't matter because they're not in school. And mine still aren't in school, but I needed to get somewhere sort of established. But yeah, the Heights and Montrose were my two, the two places that I was looking to move from New York City
0: see perfect yep um, what would you say the best restaurants are where you are
1: the best restaurants so we like um, a restaurant called the 401 or 401 cafe something like uh-huh. it's 401 it's um, it's uh, sort of right in the Bel Air uh, just outside the Bel Air triangle where Chimney Rock Bel Air and um, and Bissonnette meet so I like going there. It's it's uh, The food is really good. The ambiance is nice. But, you know, as somebody who's got young kids, uh, four and a two-year-old, you like to go somewhere that has just enough noise that if your kids are also making noise, then it's like, you know, and so... Uh,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: yes. So, so I really like going there. Um, there's obviously a crumble cookie very nearby. We go to that quite frequently. Um, oh, there's um, the... Uh, uh, bagel hot bakery so as somebody who came from New York you know having a decent bagel was very important <laughs> so um, it's right it's right near our house it's maybe like a block and a half away it's right on Bel air and Chimney rock is um, that
0: the Jewish bakery am I yes yeah yes yeah. It, is.
1: it is and they had a, a restaurant next door I think it recently closed down but the bagel shop is still there and I would say in Houston I don't want to get myself in trouble here but to date, that's probably the best, the closest you can get to a New York bagel. In uh, yeah,
0: in, in, yeah, no, that's what I've that's what I've heard. I've heard that from multiple people. Um, I, yeah, so I I don't think you're far off. If, if uh, or, excuse me, you're not alone at least in that in that thought process for sure. Yeah. So um, it's always neat. And how long were you in New York?
1: Um, I was in New York for four years. But prior to that, in my early twenties, prior to going to medical school, I was there for two years. Okay but also my mother is from New York City so i've got family there and um, that's where her and my father met so we've got roots in new york city but i personally lived there for about 4 years prior to moving to houston
0: so you got new york in your blood and then you know just essentially you've been there for so long it's it's funny how just those those flavors those smells they just they just draw you back in right oh, yeah. and you can't oh, yeah. you can never escape them um, time. how about entertainment options
1: um so i am not the best person for like, you know, entertainment for anyone above the age of like four. So, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you great things uh, for kids. Um, so, we really love, if, if that's okay. I mean, yeah, that's,
0: absolutely. we're yes, how yes. I
1: entertain myself these days. So, um, I think one of the best things is Evelyn's Park. It's really close by. It's on uh, Bel Air and Newcastle, maybe. Um, it is right by Betsy's. Oh, Betsy's is another great uh, uh, little restaurant that we like yep. to go to. Um, but they have a splash pad, which is great in the summer. They have, you know, they, they recently renovated it. Within the last year, it's been uh, recently renovated. But they have this great splash pad um, for kids. And they've got two sides to the playground. So one for the smaller kids, one for the bigger kids. And then like a big open area as well. Um, so Evelyn's Park is somewhere we like to go. Um, where else? We we go to the Bel Air pool all the time. So um, you know you can you can pay for a summer summer membership to go, or you can just pay uh, you know each time you go. And it's it's very, it's actually very affordable uh, even as non uh, Bel Air residents um, to go and spend the day. And it tires your kids out really nicely. Good tip. Um, yep yeah i would say those are kind of like the two main places that i tend to go with my kids
0: that's fun i I think we're not too far away from having young kids both of our kids are about to turn 10. um but my wife is a huge fan of nice restaurants and and like you were talking about always trying to find places that you know if they're a little bit loud you don't stand out or whatever and that's one of the things my my wife would always do she'd call and she's like, now listen we've got a couple young kids and you know they're they're well behaved but again we've got a couple young kids she'd always make sure to kind of warn them um, yeah. and there's been so many times where we'll get and then we try to go early, right? Um, right, yep. And then she'll, yep. the, the, we always got like stuck back in a corner or something like that or by <laughs> right. the kitchen, um, which we never minded, but it was one of those things where we are, we were also very sensitive about, um, you know, not want, wanting to be at too nice of a place and having our kids, yeah. you know, just be kids, right? I mean, that's going to. You don't want to scold them for for just having fun and you know right. finding things right. funny. So
1: It is a nice balance. And when there is already volume, they like level up, right? Like they're not it's Oh like yeah. They're always going to level up above what the volume level is. Yes. So yes. N- knowing that it's already like a little bit loud is is it, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable for yeah. the kids. They yeah.
0: like to be heard, that's for sure. Right? Exactly. Um And so how about your commute? Where's where's your practice currently?
1: So I'm sort of all over the place right now. So my practice uh, eventually will be in the Heights on Twentieth Street. Okay. Um, right now it's uh, still in the process of being built out. So my temporary office is in a uh, pediatric office, pediatric pod. It's uh, right there on Bel Air. It's literally three minutes away. It's the most beautiful commute. I could walk there if I needed to. Oh, um Yeah. Um, so that's where my that's where I'm seeing patients right now. And then as far as, you know, operating um, and doing cases, my practice uh, will be out of Women's Hospital of Texas. And then um, since my office is close to the Greater Heights Hospital, it'll be Memorial Hermann Greater Heights. So those are the two hospitals I'll mainly be operating out of. And then I still am part-time at UT and um, I spend that time out at LBJ, um, which is one of the Harris Health hospitals.
0: So this is perfect. So this is this is definitely one of the reasons why I wanted to do the the podcast. So I'm mm-hmm. so glad, because I think there are like I, my wife. She's she commutes to the med center, right? And mm-hmm. um and then occasionally she's got to commute over to Ben Taub, but essentially she's got kind of one place to go, and, and that's her mm-hmm. office. But there's so many physicians, right, that are commuting mm-hmm. or managing multiple offices, um, or they've got to go to multiple hospitals for for surgeries and such. So maybe if you could just sort of walk us through. Um, some of those commute times to the various places. So, if somebody's looking at, or you know, they've got some similarities where they're commuting to a few of those hospitals or, or medical uh, centers, let's call them, sure. uh, how are those commutes?
1: So, yeah, so my commute to the pediatric pod office is moments, which is nice. Um, the commute to my Heights office, so as you know, and everybody knows, the 59 610 interchange is like always under construction
0: always under construction so
1: that tends to be a little bit of a bottleneck when it comes to me going anywhere you know the good thing about bel air is you know you're near these highways right you're you're not far from 59 you're not far from 610 you're not far from 288 you know you can sort of get to a lot of these places pretty easily but my commute unfortunately involves the 59-610 interchange um and so uh, going to the Heights, um, it's, it's not too bad. It's probably about uh, 15 to 20 minute, depending on traffic. Sure. Um, and uh, that can be mostly highway or you can take back streets. And then um, going to the med center is actually pretty quick too, because you can just shoot straight down Bel Air. Bel Air turns into Holcomb and it's, it's an easy commute. And if you're yep. stopping at coffee, it's easy. Um, and then Going to going to LBJ, you know, I kind of go through the city. So that commute, especially during rush hour, can be upwards of like 45 minutes. Oh. But um, as a mother of two young kids, again, bringing it back to them, that is like my only alone time. So I get to listen to books and podcasts and whatnot. So if you can time it well enough uh, so your commute's about 45 minutes, you can get maybe one to two podcasts in, which is yeah. nice. Oh, very good. Yeah.
0: And then the other one's close. Then the one on Fifty Nine, right? The Memorial Harmon. That one's that one's fairly close. Uh, Ah,
1: Greater Heights. Yeah, that's pretty close to my where my office is. So yeah, that's about uh, that's like straight up six ten. So that's about fifteen to twenty minutes again, depending on how that traffic is.
0: Yeah, I think um, that that construction should be winding up, right? (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) I think we've been saying that for years, but I mean they've they've just done such expansion throughout there. Um, yeah. it'll be nice it'll be nice when it's all done for sure yeah. um, so I, I normally ask what other options but I mean you you've hit on you've hit on so many um, there's, there's plenty of plenty of places that if a physician was moving into Bel Air they would have they'd have a ton of options and then even if you had to come up um, I guess you have to get out to the tollway you can get out to the tollway and you could fairly easily get over to 99 if um, somebody was in yeah. the energy corridor or something like that right That's wouldn't be the worst or, or 10 even. Um,
1: yeah. That's actually pretty easy and 610 once you get past the Galleria 59 and Westheimer then it's it's pretty pretty straight shot like it's, it's it, the traffic you kind of beat the traffic at that point so. Right.
0: Uh, and you mentioned schools um, you're thinking about schools when you were looking for, for a place uh, mm-hmm. do you know the the grade school that your kids will be going to or, or yes. are they going to go someplace else?
1: Um, Yes, so they'll be going to, we're going to Condit, um, which I'm particularly excited about. So right now my kids actually go to a um, Spanish, it's a language immersion school called Crossing Borders. It's in Rice Village. And um, so they go to school. Slash daycare in it's not really it's more of a preschool because they're actually learning things, but it's completely in Spanish So between the hours of nine and three they're learning, you know Their letters and numbers and songs and colors and all that in Spanish completely in Spanish Um, So it was like sort of a dream of mine for my kids well for myself to be bilingual But that I don't know we're still working on that, but my kids are doing really really well there and then um, the benefit of Condit is that they have a dual language program that you can apply to um, starting in kindergarten. And um, if you get into that, then you can stay in the dual language. So they, I think they do their day half in English, half in Spanish. Um, and um, they stay in that same dual language program all the way through fifth grade through elementary school. And so I, good. It's one of the few schools that offer that. So it yeah. is technically a magnet, um, but so that's where they're going to be going to elementary school.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's so important. I've talked to quite a few people and they always want to get their kids into some type of or they want their kids to learn two languages, but Mm -hmm. to really kind of go after it and put them in a school where they can where they can really immerse themselves because because that's really the only way. Um, um, It's just too easy. If you can speak English um, to resort to English, you you lose that word in Spanish or you you know, it's like, okay, just and then the rest of the conversation just kind of falls into English.
1: Exactly, Um, exactly, and they they kind of just fall in, their kids are so resilient, like their brains are as long as they're not having to cope with something, their brains are like very resilient, they can learn um, super easily, so my kids have been in that uh, dual language uh, daycare, or the immersion daycare for less than a year, Right. and I would say they both have pretty decent receptive fluency at this point, in less than a year, yeah.
0: So, you said you're still trying to learn, or do you feel comfortable?
1: so you know i've been like everybody that was raised in texas has been taking spanish since like third grade um at some point it has to leave the classroom and go into practice right and so when i was living in new york uh in my 20s um i had a lot of friends that were from south america and so my spanish was actually like pretty good at that point in time and then um i went to ohio for residency so like i kind of there's not a lot of Spanish.
0: Huge, huge, huge Hispanic population in Ohio, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> so, um, and then after residency, I went back to New York City and I spent some time in the Bronx and, um, there was a large Dominican population there. And so my Spanish actually got much better then. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, I'm back here, but I'm older. My receptive, I can understand quite a bit of Spanish. Gotcha. Um but, you know, I get nervous and sheepish and shy that I'm saying things wrong. You know, the perfectionists in us all. So, if I'm having a day where I don't care about that, my Spanish is actually okay, I can get by. If, if I'm having a perfectionist kind of day, it's terrible and I just resort to straight up English every time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think I could get there. I just need to push myself to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my wife speaks um, a little bit and so she used to be able to do more, um, I was gonna say interviews, but, but exams, right? And right. she could do them in Spanish. And, uh, and then a, there'll be some other folks, but I, this is for a different time, but there are quite right. a few stories of a mis, uh, misworded or a, right. a wrong vocabulary um, when right. trying to describe something or whatever, and uh, right.
1: Right. those are always yeah. good.
0: Um, right. I, speak, I speak enough to get around, I used to speak much better as well, but whenever we travel, I'm able to speak. And so my son, I got twins. And wow. my son's always saying, I'm going to learn how to speak Spanish so that you and I can speak, and Abby won't be able to understand us. <laughs> right? so that, you know, you always try to find some type of motivation, right, to be able right. to, to get him right. to speak. So I was. The reason why I brought that up is I was just thinking, you know, it's good that you do speak because they, they would have that between the two of them, right? And right. then they'd be talking about you or they'd be trying to, yeah. you know, they'd, be, <laughs> they'd be planning.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I think they still might be able to conspire against me in Spanish because uh, they probably need one more year and their Spanish is going to be better than mine. So, and, yeah, um, yeah that, that's probably in the works.
0: <laughs> well, as long as they can get into that program, they're going to be able to stick with it for the rest of their lives. And so I yeah. think that's, Super important, and being able yeah. to travel it just makes things so oh, yeah. much easier. Um, with oh, just yeah. another language, because yeah, you know, especially with two popular ones as well. So, yeah, um,
1: I highly and recommend. That. I think Houston's got a bunch of other schools that are not that are immersion that are not just Spanish, right? There's French yeah. and Mandarin, I think, offered as yep. well. So, yeah, yeah,
0: there are so, um my wife understands Cantonese, Our, my mother-in-law speaks Cantonese, as well as several other languages. She's amazing, um, and but there's no Cantonese schools, right? They would have to learn Mandarin, and so um, that was another failure on my part, is to trying to keep the kids, you know, understanding Cantonese, <laughs> um, but that didn't work either. And, and again, you know, I was traveling all the time, obviously Susan works all the time, and yeah so when when grandma would be here by the with the kids it was just easier to speak english right and so yeah they yeah. never really picked that up but um
1: yeah it's anyway hopefully one day yeah
0: hopefully one day um what other activities you know it's still, they're still young but do they do they have other activities um that are in the area that you can take them to yeah
1: so they go to wolfies which is a swim school Um, pretty popular swim school. That's also, that's right by that restaurant, that 401, uh, by the HEB right there on, um, like just sort of behind the HEB on Bissonnette, um, which is very close to our house. And then, um, my daughter, my older daughter also does, um, gymnastics classes at Houston Gymnastics Academy on Gulfton, uh, not far from 610. Um, so those are. Those are two places we go. We went for a very short period of time. I realized my daughter was a little bit too young, but we went to the, there's a Vivaldi Music Academy um, right there on Bissonette as well, um, that she she went to. I know a couple other families uh, that go there too. So yeah, there's plenty, you know, within a couple mile radius.
0: What instrument did you, did you get her on?
1: You know, she... <laughs> feel a little sheepish, so we were actually watching that movie Sing and she like loved the character Ash who plays like the electric guitar Oh my god, we watched that scene like a million times And she kept saying she wanted to play and I was like, okay, I'm gonna foster this So I was like, maybe she can take guitar lessons. So I put her actually in um, it was over Christmas uh, The holidays I put her in like a music camp um, kind of up in Spring Branch called uh, I think it's called Bach to Rock and it was a singing one, but they like let her kind of strum the guitar and she really, really liked it. So I was like, okay, let me enroll her in like actual lessons, but you know, they were trying to actually teach her, but she just was just early, early four year old, so was not really getting it, yeah. you know, just kind yeah. of wanted to like play and there was a piano. So she go like bang on the piano. So guitar was going to be the instrument and I still have it here. I let her. Play with it whenever she wants to but uh, we'll try again maybe in a couple of years when she's a little more mature
0: for sure yeah lots of the house and you know you'll never know where their interests go right, right. Yeah, it's just it's, yeah. it's hard to keep up um, yeah so you've been there you've been in the area obviously for four years but you've been in the Bell area for two um, mm. how have you seen the market change
1: Well, so we got here in September of 2019. So we saw things change drastically six months after we got here. Yeah. Um, You know, there was obviously that huge rush of like buying and selling home. Like the market was just like insanity. And I was actually part of it because I bought my house in 2021 and got an interest rate of like 2.8% or something wild like that. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So... uh, um, I, I think, uh, there was probably a lot of, um, in and out in my neighborhood. Um, but for the most part, since we've been here, the same people, I think one family has moved out, but it's basically been the same folks, um, since that time, you know, we left Montrose and at that time, uh, that Kroger was still there right on Montrose Boulevard and like the half price books. And there was like a specs and some other shops around there. That whole thing has been leveled. Um, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. The Mon- yep. the Mon- I think they called it Disco Kroger. Um, I used to go to that all the time because it was not far from my house. Um, and then there was other um, construction going up uh, quite a bit. We were right on Commonwealth, like just north of Fairview when we were in Montrose. Um, actually the houses next door to us got demolished and rebuilt into, um, townhomes as well. So there's, there in that area during the COVID, the early COVID pandemic, there was quite a bit of building, um, in yeah. that area. But I would say this area for the most part, um, it's been r- roughly the same since we moved here.
0: Gotcha. And but as far
1: you- as the homes, but as far as like the businesses, there's been, there's been some turnover. Um, And then you know, there's been like a new Mexican restaurant just went in. Uh, There was a place called Counter Common that sort of came was popular, and then they just closed as well. So there's been a little bit of turnover in the retail space.
0: And then are there are there empty lots available um, that you see much of, or?
1: Um, On my block, there's one that's been here for a while, Um, maybe like six houses down there's an empty lot um, but other than that on my specific block there is not um, if you cross chimney rock uh, um, there i think there's one lot that they're building on but that's gotcha. kind of all i've really seen they the ha- the houses on my block are, are pretty established and my my block is a, a mixture of newer houses and um, some older ranch homes
0: gotcha yeah i was going to ask you do you see a lot of stuff being torn down um, and then built again or renovations
1: um, I have not seen that but I know that my house I think used to be the the people that built my house bought I think um, the rant, the older ranch home that was probably here and, and demoed that and built their home the people across the street unfortunately during Harvey um, there was a ranch home across from me that um, that flooded Uh, and so the neighbors next door ended up buying that lot from them Um, and then a couple of the homes around here I think were previously ranch homes that were built but since I've been here on this block there's basically been no real construction happening as far as homes go
0: so you get all your construction from the six ten and fifty nine there. Uh, yeah,
1: that's enough. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, got out to, the city's about to bust up the road here um, in front of us because of um, they're trying to improve the drainage, um, and then put in a couple speed bumps. So uh, and put in some sidewalks, which I'm very happy about. Um yeah. So yeah. That I was going to ask
0: that. about that. That that's the thing about getting get the kids to school back and forth, right? Is the sidewalks will be a nice thing
1: yes oh it'll be excellent because while uh you know when i moved to houston it was so funny uh a friend of mine who's born and raised in houston um i kept saying like i want somewhere where i can walk and do this and that and you know there's like a joke in houston where like you'll circle around the parking lot until you find the close the absolute closest spot whereas like you could have just parked a little further away and already been in the store so we sort of joke about how like i was obsessed with trying to find somewhere to walk and she was like stop trying to make walking happen And what i realized is is that it's not because places are far away like they're not super far away but drivers in houston are not necessarily looking out for pedestrians whereas in new york city the pedestrians are as part of the flow of traffic or more than the cars are so it's very common to you know to look for pedestrians before turning right but that's not necessarily the case here so uh, I think that's why maybe it's not the best walking city generally but you have other places you have places like Heights and Montrose where you do see more pedestrians so there are spots
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you're supposed to be on the on the with the flow of traffic and like that and I just know pulling out of our neighborhood in some cases um, you know where I'm looking I'm looking left to, to see if I can pull out and there has been a time or two where I, I go to pull and then there's a you know the kids i understand but sometimes you'll see an adult that's trying to like blow by you here and it's just like and you're like slamming on the brakes and (laughs) that's why i was you know when i take my kids out bike riding i'm always talking about you can't ever assume that they're seeing it yeah
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i think it's it's one of the things you just have to be aware of right i mean that's so
1: i mean i think as more people move in from places like california and new york uh where they're used to walking then you know you know that's gonna be something that is desired you know in Montrose where I was on uh, a Commonwealth they actually built a, a protected bike lane there so yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. in the works slowly probably
0: we were just we were just there for um, a dinner for for my mother-in-law's birthday and yeah mm-hmm. they, they have a, it's nice and wide and there's kind of that more or less uh, what's that called speed bump essentially right it's mm-hmm. that raised curb area right. um, it's very protective and it's wide too I mean you yeah. could get you know, if you were three skilled bike riders, you, you could get, you know, three wide yeah. down through that area. So that's nice. Yeah, that's great. Let's move into pros and cons. Uh, okay. What would you say the, the, maybe the three or four, five pros of living in Bel Air are?
1: Uh, pros. You get uh, more, more space for your money than maybe other comparable neighborhoods in Houston. Um, So I have a pretty sizable backyard, so I would say space is one. Uh, Schools are, schools could probably be number one, depending on how old your kids are, but schools are up there as well. So we're zoned to Condit as an elementary. There's also Horn Elementary, which is excellent. Um, And let's see. I think proximity to the city without the... You have proximity to the city without some of the difficulty that comes with living in the city. So like parking and um, traffic and all of that. You don't really see that a whole lot out here, right. but I have very easy access to parts of the city that maybe do have some of those um, cons. So uh, proximity to the city without living in city in the city. Um, another pro for me is I find Bel Air to be pretty diverse. <clears throat> I you know, diversity was important to me when moving from New York City. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we chose Houston. Um, but uh, I would say in Bel Air, you know, on my block, you know, there's us, we're a Haitian, Italian, Trinidadian family. Uh, my next, our neighbors are from Jordan. My neighbor next to us is a Vietnamese American. Our neighbors across the street are Mexican. Um, Down the way, uh, we have a neighbor that um, is um, South Asian. So, I mean, it's like, um, you have a, there's a lot of culture um, in Bel Air. Yeah. It's pretty diverse. Um, And then you
0: get all the food that comes with all those, um, with all the diversity (laughs) too, right? That's the thing.
1: Yes. Um, And then uh, I think what comes with being in like a, somewhat of a suburban part of the city is you do feel like um, your neighbors are really your community. So, um, my next door is amazing. My next door neighbors, um, there are two of them, uh, there are three girls, but two of them come babysit for me all the time. One's 23 and one's I think 17, and they're right next door. So like, I feel like and across the street is a neighbor who's lived here for a very long time. Her husband is a pediatric dentist, so he's my kid's dentist. Um, I I really feel like their community, I have a a vet, I don't have any pets, but there's a a vet that lives across the street. My next door neighbors are uh, anesthesia assistants, so you know, I feel like if ever my kid is choking, they can get into that airway if they need to, (laughs) 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 but but I feel like a big, I feel community with with my neighbors, so I think that's another big part of it.
0: So interesting. what. What I think doctors think about with regard to just, especially when it comes to kids, right? Because mm-hmm. I know Susan Sarah said something. We've got an emergency room uh, doctor across the way, yes. um, and a, a physician's assistant, and and, uh, and so it's and we, we optometrist. Um, I'm sure I'm saying that. I'm sure it's a op, ophthalmologist. ophthalmologist um, <laughs> Yeah, so we've got several doctors. We have an anesthesiologist in the neighborhood, and so she's always talking about that. She's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, the, we have pediatrician um, kind of back, back this way. Yeah. And That's so it's just, it's nice, right? I mean, to be able yeah. to have that community right in your community. Yeah. Um, and then, cause we do, we get worried as parents and it's nice to be able to make that phone call or have somebody stop by. Um, Absolutely. You know, so.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's
0: huge. That's yeah. fantastic. How about cons?
1: Cons. Um, you know, like I was sort of saying uh, at the beginning, you know, when I first moved here, I moved to Montrose. And um, God, the nice thing about Montrose, there's like so much good food in Montrose. Um, and there's so many great places to eat, to experience. Um, there were uh, great parks that were there. And I feel like because we live in a little bit more of a suburban area, that that is like a slight downside to Bel Air. Like I, I, I think like when I go out to dinner and stuff with my friends, I'm usually leaving Bel Air to do that. Um, usually going to places like, honestly, most of the places we go are somewhere like Montrose or Midtown.
0: Sure. Um,
1: so, I would say that there are better places in the city for you know where you're going to find the, the best restaurants and whatnot. <clears throat> right um let me see I don't really know I mean I guess that would be the biggest con and then you know the 59 610 interchange that I guess would be the other con that you know getting to when I was living in Montrose and commuting to LBJ that commute was probably 20 minutes but even just moving a few miles west where I'm west of a little bit west of 610 that commute almost doubles um, so even though it's mostly highway so um, I would say that just that the traffic at that specific interchange would be yeah. the, the biggest cons
0: I would say yeah your commute depending depending on where you're going to if you've got to go through the city and side streets then you're, yeah. you're gonna, you know take a little bit longer yeah. um, maybe if you're going south on 59 it wouldn't be too bad um, right you know but yeah, if you're gonna try to go into the city um, rush hour you're gonna be yeah it'll take
1: you some time yeah
0: i think your walkability is pretty good too if i if i'm thinking yeah correctly. If, um, yes
1: if, if you're looking for just to take a walk around the neighborhood yes especially when they put in the sidewalk, it'll be even better um but yeah i can get to you know if i wanted to walk because the bellair Triangle's right there if i wanted to walk to get coffee or whatnot i i could i could do that go get the bagels or whatever i could do that yeah.
0: but yeah that's what i was that's what i was saying is normally when because you've mentioned kind of suburban feel several times and then when you when you kind of say suburban, you really don't think about walkability, um, mm-hmm. but you you do have several places that you can get to fairly easy if you wanted to take a walk. And then you just talk about your your current current practice, you could walk to that. So right. Um, right. you know that makes it it makes it nice. Um, when I was okay. living in L.A., on the weekends if I got home, I wouldn't get in my car again. Right? It was yeah. I lived down I lived in I actually lived in uh, Marina Del Rey, so right there okay. on the water. And it was the nicest thing just to be able to have kind of everything right there yeah. um, and not have to deal with getting in a car and all that traffic. Yeah. So Yeah. Nothing
1: um, beats that. I mean I have I will say, I will admit that, you know, the Houstonian does like creep in to me a little bit and I yeah. it's rare that I walk anywhere any these days. Well,
0: especially with the heat and humidity right now. Yes, right. right especially right. with the heat and humidity. It's, That's it's uh,
1: pretty it's pretty extreme right now, yeah
0: pretty bad for sure so so I brought up your practice let's let's talk about your practice um, you're just starting so I, I want to or not just starting, but you're starting a new new surgical center if I have that correctly um, let's talk about that so if somebody's you know thinking about either starting a practice in Houston um, you know maybe why would they do that why would somebody come to Houston to do that and then please I'd like you to you know talk about your practice and what you've got going on
1: Sure so um, I've basically spent all my life in academics um, and that is what I um, have kind of known That's I trained in academics and uh, have worked in academics. Um, I kind of got to where I um, felt like I wanted to have a little bit more autonomy of uh, my personal life and of the way I practice and just kind of create something uh, that was mine um, and it is a big leap and it is hard but uh, it's, a, it's a different hard like there's there's hard in employed uh, medicine and there's hard in you know self self employed so um, that was kind of the reason I did it, it was really just more for autonomy um, and time you know my kids are little I was already kind of like missing you know daycare like Christmas programs and whatnot and so I figured this way I could really um, be the one that was in charge of my schedule and um, you know when priorities came up then I would have I would be sort of in charge of that. Um, Starting um, your own practice is certainly an endeavor this has been going on since uh, September is when I uh, filed uh, my PLLC with the Secretary of State. Um, And there's a lot that goes into it particularly if you're taking insurance, right? So you have to get contracted with insurance companies. You have to, um, you know, figure out your office space, which I'm finding in commercial real estate takes a very long time. Um, You know, uh, getting your marketing, getting, um, you know, trying to get your network going. Um, There's lots of just little... Your um, standard operating procedures getting your EHR like getting all of those things that were sort of previously just built into the job as an employee Uh, So that's been um, you know a a little bit of a roller coaster of a journey, but pretty exhilarating and uh, um, You know doable so far so um, Doing that in Houston, I think is probably Somewhat similar to um, trying to create a private uh, practice in any large city. Obviously, Houston, there are a lot of doctors. There's a lot of medical centers, and you know a lot of what people would call competition. Um, but when you truly think about it, there's there's no scarcity. There's no scarcity of patients that are in need, right? So, um, in fact, there's probably not enough. Uh, of specific types of physicians to meet the need uh, that's out there so um, once I kind of got over that aspect that I would be you know quote-unquote competing with you know bigger institutions and whatnot I realized there's kind of no there's no scarcity so you just make your network you market you tell people what you're gonna offer and I think if you provide good care and um, you're honest and hardworking, then you know I, I think Things things will hopefully work out. Um, I think one thing, being in um, solo practice or a small practice, that you can offer that maybe sometimes bigger institutions may struggle with is um, accessibility. So, for example, if somebody calls my office, then a person picks up and they can book their appointment. Or if there's a problem, they have access to call the office and they can give a message to me and I can respond, you know, uh, pretty quickly. So. Um, that was one of the main things that I was, uh, when I was picking an office space, was that there was um, complimentary parking and that it was not confusing to find the building where where I was gonna be located. And because I think sometimes there are certain places that can be a little bit daunting when it comes to that. So. Um, and then, and then accessibility in terms of having the phone answered right away—that was also very important to me. So I think those are maybe some of the pros that I could offer as an individual provider.
0: Let's talk about. So it's the name is Houston Community Surgical, right? And where are you going to be located?
1: So yes, Houston Community Surgical. I um, am doing general and colorectal surgery. I uh, currently my office is located in Bel Air. It's actually inside, su- I'm subleasing fr- uh, inside the pediatric pod, which is a pediatric pediatrician's office um, on Bel Air Boulevard. Uh, eventually my office will be in the Heights on 20th Street, 427 West 20th Street on the 7th floor. Um, I have a website, www.houstoncommunitysurgical.com, and um, all the information is on there. They can see what kind of disease processes I treat and um, the phone number that's listed on there uh, you can text or you can call to HIPAA compliant phone number as well as the email address that's uh, available on there so um, any which one of those ways people like to contact me um, that that gets directly to me so um, and then yes I as far as operating and admitting patients to the hospital post-operatively um, I have uh, privileges at uh, Women's Hospital of Texas I also have privileges at uh, Memorial Hermann Greater Heights and at the um, uh, Memorial Houston Surgery Center which is on I-10 West, uh, just west of Spring Branch.
0: Okay. What would you say is unique about you and your practice?
1: Um, you know, it's, it is rare for anybody to be in solo private practice uh, as a surgeon these days. My father uh, is a retired surgeon and he was in solo practice. He started his practice in the 1980s in Midland, Texas. And it was pretty common back then, uh, but not as common now. I think it's becoming a little bit more common as physicians are finding that they maybe don't necessarily have the autonomy that they thought they would have um, going into medicine. Um, And so you're you're finding that it is happening a little bit more now. the other thing that's somewhat unique is um, as a as a black female, I represent um, in academics less than 0.1% of all surgeons. Um, so that I'm not only a small business owner, I'm a women owned small business owner and a black women owned small business owner. So um, those are uh, pretty unique um, in general, but also specifically in, in Houston. So um, I have all of those experiences that I use
0: to inform how I care for patients. Excellent. What would you say to, um, I always ask this to my wife, I always just get so curious, I never imagined, I could never imagine being a physician, right? So when you're going through that process um, and just choosing your specialty maybe, um, what would you say to, to some of the younger starting out physicians, you're obviously still very young, right? It's not too, too long ago where you were, you were probably thinking through this um why 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 did you kind of pursue the avenue that you pursued
1: sure so my dad uh is a retired surgeon so that was probably the biggest influence in my life uh he was probably the biggest influence in my life i used to get to go like round with him on his patients he used to let me you know watch him in the operating room and you know As the surgeon's kid, I got a very skewed perspective. I'll start with that. As the surgeon's kid, everybody's like, "What can we do for you?" and this and the other. And you know, I saw my dad asking for things, and people just hand them to him. And I'm like, "Oh, a great job!" So that that probably. (laughs) Um, My mother was also an ICU nurse. My her father, my grandfather on my mom's side, was um, an uh, internist. Did internal medicine, um, and he. uh, in his day, and so medicine was kind of just in the family um, And I had an aunt that was another, another uncle that was a, a two other uncles that were uh, physicians as well, so it was kind of just I Don't know I, I don't remember ever thinking that I was gonna be anything else It maybe was a little bit ingrained in me um, My father's an immigrant from Haiti so that that probably gets a little bit ingrained as well um, as a first-generation American and um, And then when I went to medical school, I think I went in thinking that I would want to do something either with children or with surgery. And when I did all my rotations, I sort of landed on pediatric surgery is what I wanted to do. Um, And so when I applied to residency, I applied to places that had pediatric surgery fellowships that were um, at the location where the general surgery residency was. Found out during residency that that wasn't my jam. <laughs> that was not that was not the path. Um, and then I ended up choosing colorectal surgery because I did one year of acute care surgery, which is basically like emergency general surgery, like people coming in with either um, like a inflamed gallbladders, appendicitis, or bowel obstruction, things that needed to be dealt with uh, emergently or urgently. Um, so I didn't have much of an elective practice and I didn't really like only dealing with emergencies. I, I wanted to be able to you know, get have relationships with patients and whatnot. So, um, what I realized is, without a specialty, without a fellowship, that um, it was going to be difficult for me to find a job in either a big city or like a, a big academic center because everybody, you know, in a big academic center, you are able to be specialized. So. The reason I chose colorectal is because I did like taking care of colon cancer. I, I saw that in my year of doing an emergency general surgery that things like colectomies or taking out somebody's colon, was those things were kind of taken away from us as non-specialized surgeons and given to the colorectal surgeons and so, you know, I wasn't ready to give up everything yet. So, colorectal fellowship is one year. It's an operative fellowship, meaning that you get to operate a ton. And it sort of lends itself to um, retirement in that when you're ready to kind of not do these big and bad cancer operations, you can still do smaller things like, you know, the not so sexy things like, you know, hemorrhoid surgery, anorectal stuff, colonoscopies. So you can still be in the operating room and whatnot, but you're not worrying about patients calling you in the middle of the night, um, patients having complications from major abdominal operations, and things like that. So that's the reason why I chose that specialty.
0: So interesting. I I mean, the things that you, I think you specifically, but also many, many doctors that go through kind of coming into their program of of their original choice, right? Mm -hmm. And then as they go through that process, they learn so much more about, well, hey, I thought it was going to be this way. I thought it was going to be that way. And it's really not. And then all these other opportunities open up. And um, I think it's so important that I think this applies to pretty much everybody, but just to be open to those things, right? That you you can't possibly know it all at, um, 18, 20, 25, 27, right? you go through this whole process. Um, so it's It's true.
1: And And life changes, you know, I didn't have any kids when I was a resident. I didn't have any kids for the first three years that I was, you know, when I did acute care surgery, when I did my fellowship, and even the first year of my practice, I didn't have any kids. And that changes things quite a bit, you know, um, you find yourself wanting to really prioritize your time outside of work Um, you want that when you don't have kids and and a spouse but you certainly want that when you do have kids you know and or I found that for myself and so um, I'm happy that I made somewhat of a a wise choice without knowing it that I you know this lent itself to being able to have uh, you know a lifestyle where I could do that
0: Fantastic! Now, I know you gave us our website um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you um, or if somebody had referrals um, what's the best way to, to get in touch with you
1: sure so um, they can always like I said go to the website and send an email or they can um, call us at 832-979-5670 Um, or they can send a fax referral, 832-346-1911, and we can uh, call the patient and get them in.
0: And the website again?
1: The website is www.houstoncommunitysurgical.com.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Belazere. We really appreciate your time. Learned so much, and it was really fun talking with you. Thank you for joining us on the Prescription for Living in Houston podcast. We've had a wonderful time discussing what it's like to work, eat, sleep, and play right here in the heart of Texas. If you're considering a move to Houston or within Houston, we're here to guide and assist you. Don't hesitate to reach out with a call or an email at dan at dhsrealtygroup.com. And remember, the charm of Houston lies in its diverse neighborhoods. So make sure to tune in next week where we'll be exploring another vibrant neighborhood in Houston, offering insights into its unique lifestyle and opportunities. Until then, stay safe and keep envisioning your perfect Houston living experience. Goodbye for now, and we'll catch you in our next episode.